everybody. Welcome back to College Football Uncensored Podcast. Brought to you by our friends at Crystal. Chris. Toll. Chris. How are you doing there, buddy? Oh, emotionally, still the same. Um, but good. We're recording the pod. That's fun. Yeah, it is fun. Yeah. Let me get it. We've reached, <laughs> we've reached the stage real quick. I'm just, I mean, just going to say it. We've reached the stage where, one, this haircut looks good. I, like, it, you're yeah. not going to give me credit for it, but it's like for cutting my own hair. And I think I'm like officially at the point of like the breakup where like if I was a girl, this would be the bangs stage. Like I would probably have gotten bangs by now. Fair. Yeah. I think it, I mean, it, it was good, man. You did a good job. Appreciate that. You don't say that enough about anything. So that's fine. I mean, you know, I know you're upset about your life with Florida state. So you're just taking it out on me, but um, I feel great. I feel, you know, it's, it is what it is. We don't have a football program anymore. <laughs> let me get this. It. Let me get this ad read in before we get into this. I mentioned it's organic, you idiot. The podcast is brought to you by our friends at Crystal. Guys, it's game time with Crystal, and it's time to square up your chance to win tickets. Crystal is running a score, a sack full, and a seat sweepstakes. That's a lot to what? say, Chris. The W sounds dirty. Tickets to the South's biggest football game. Oh yeah, you heard that right, Chris. You heard it right. What is that? What is it? If you're trying to score tickets, Crystal's your winning edge, or, or square in this case. Yeah. Crystal is your move to keep all your fans in your life fueled throughout the season. Pick up some original Crystal Sackfuls, Chili Cheese Pups, or their new Crispier Fries to feed everyone at your tailgate or viewing party this season. Download the app and make it easy to order today. Make a game plan with Crystal, because when you keep Crystal on your side this season, you could score the W. Okay, let me let me give you a run at what I would have done with this ad read. Okay, because I don't write the, like, I don't write I mean, the copy, Chris. I just I just crush it. Well, I mean, yeah, and you did a great job with it. I'm just saying what I would have done with this. And this is what I threw out there from the beginning. Hey, yes. listen, like a sack full of crystals is a fantastic move on game day, especially if you've gone out. Like, if you're a college kid and you've gone out Friday night the night before, and you need to you need to come back to life. There's not much better way to get than just a couple of sliders. Um, and when I say couple, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever had a couple of crystals. That's just not yeah, in my nature. A couple like bags full of. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can say like I was already doing it. So it seems like it's, you're just being rude when you do it. But um, yeah, that's fair. So what I would say is, I mean, guys, we all know that we are no longer an Oregon State podcast again um, this week. So um Snack 12 after dark. We're not going to pack 12 after dark. Not in the SEC. You got church in the morning. You got to go to bed. Snack 12 after dark. Go to crystals. Get yourself a sack full. 12 crystals. That's a good end to the day. Snack it's a fantastic end of the day. Yeah, agreed. So I said it. Um, so yeah, go check out the score sack full and a seat sweepstakes. Download the crystal app and make it an easy to order day or night, whatever you want to do. I love it. All right, Chris, before we get into the games this week, there's a, there's a couple good ones in the SEC. There's a couple snoozers as well, but we'll go over the big mm -hmm. ones. There was some big news nationally in college football this week. The USC job's open. I feel like we've been talking about yeah. this for three years, every offseason. Clay yeah, Hilton's got to be on the hot seat. Clay Hilton's got to be on the hot seat. Then they're two games into the season. They fire him. I feel like if you were going to make that decision two games in, why didn't you just fire him in the offseason? I didn't get this either. It didn't seem like it was very sensible. I mean, like, it, like 
I get that you were a favorite. Well, how much were they favored by against Stanford? I believe it was at least two touchdowns. Was it really? Maybe it was, it was double digits for sure. It seems like it always happens then too. Like, like, and I know that the last time it happened was like 2008. But like, w- like one of the biggest upsets in, um, in college football history was when USC was like a 41-point favorite against Stanford and they lost Harbaugh? at home. Yeah. Who's got that thing rolling up there in Ann Arbor? Um, yeah. which we'll talk about another time, but I mean, like, no, I think, so when I, Oh, now the haircut does not look good. Um, the, the thing with like USC job, what's, what's funniest about this is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like, if you're, if you're being honest, like I think Luke fickle is a good name for that job. Right. Like it makes yeah. sense. Cause he's, he's been like one of the best. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's been one of the best coaches in like in, college football for quite some time. He's also somebody that like has waited his turn, um, has got like a, a group of five school granted that Cincinnati, but like he's done a tremendous job with him on a national level. They, they played, you know, wire to wire with Georgia last year. I just like, if it's me, the biggest name, and they're lucky that Sark is at Texas, the biggest name. And the one that makes the most sense is Lane Kiffin. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's no way they'd go around two. Why would they not? Why would they not? He's a better candidate now than he's ever been, obviously. But he was I too young for There's, that job. Do you, he should he not go? have gotten that job back would then. Would he go? I don't think he would. I think this would be like, you know, he's like praying that that he gets a call. Because if he does, he's not going to accept that job. Oh, yeah, just so he can There's turn no it down. Way. Right. And, and, and then like also yeah. that becomes like a huge like push for his school, like on a national level, you, you, you spurn a, a program like USC for Ole Miss, which is, you know, like I, I think Ole Miss's program might be. Ahead yeah. And let's be USC's clear. He right wouldn't now. be doing that. What do you mean? Yeah. But let's be clear. If there wasn't a, a pass between Lane Kiffin and USC, you, there's no 10 times out of 10, you take the USC job over Ole Miss. Also true. Yeah. But you spin that and you say, Fuck USC. I'm not going there. I'm going to Ole Miss. It's a better program. Just look at the rankings. We're what, 17 now? After we beat Tulane's ass, we're going to be 15. Right. Where's USC? But I think personally, it's going to be uh, James Franklin. That makes sense, too. I, I just don't know if, but if, if Franklin is, like, if Franklin wins this weekend, they will put the full court press on, on him because he will beat like a, another national brand. I guess, I guess Auburn's considered a national brand, right? Um, I don't think they're a blue blood. Are they a blue blood? Who Penn state? No, Auburn. No, I would not consider them a blue blood, but, but they're definitely a national brand. And I think everyone knows who Auburn is. So like, I, I think if you, if they beat Auburn this weekend at home in a game, they should win. Then yeah, you put the full court press on James Franklin. I just, I, I think it would be hilarious to, to see them like come back, like tail between their legs and go after, uh, what do you call it? Um, go after Lane Kiffin. And again, I, I, I'm dead serious. They are very lucky that Sark already took that job because like what we've learned, I think most in college football now is it, it like contracts aren't real. And, <laughs> and I don't think that like humility is a thing that, people like being humbled is, is like, what's the best way to put this? Um, I, I think that like winning 
is going to supersede your own like confidence or uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. You, you know what I'm trying to say. Like they're not going to sacrifice like the future of the program because they feel embarrassed that they, they wouldn't reach back out to get Kiffin or they rehired Kiffin. And this is the South. I mean, how many people have ever gotten divorced and remarried? Jay Woody tells me about it all the time. Um, the betting favorite right now is actually the Chiefs offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. I guess he's from right. L.A. That just doesn't seem like... Look, he's a great coach, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. you got to knock this one out of the park. You can't screw this up. To me, you get right. a guy who's you got a true proven track record of recruiting and of winning at a high level. To me, James Franklin's the guy. That guy had Vandy as a top 25 program at one point. Right. They went to three straight bowl games. Yeah. So I just think he'd be the guy. I think he brings some juice to the program. You know, I would not mess around with Urban Meyer. That guy's a clown. Um, Let's talk about that for a second because already rumors are like, like rampant that he is not doing a good job at, at, um, in Jacksonville. And like, I mean, like not doing a good job, like we all expected them to go, what, two and 14, that most likely will happen. Like, I mean, in the NFL, it's not like a quick, quick turnaround, like rarely, but like you handpick your staff. And now there's rumors coming out that he is already having issues with everyone on staff, like not everyone, but a lot of people on staff too many. Yeah. Well, it sounds mean, like me in Houston. It's like you're, just, you're like already fighting with everybody. Like that can't happen. <laughs> PJ Fleck, he's also up there, plus six fifty to take the job. He's the second leading candidate as far as the betting market is concerned. That's interesting. Um, Bill O'Brien's on this list. Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle, James Franklin, plus eight hundred would be my guy. That would be that would be the bet I would take. What about you? Not, 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 who would you, not who would you hire, but who would you take yeah. as the betting? I'm not, I don't think James Franklin leaves Penn state. Cause like he's from that area and it, it would have to be like, if they lose this weekend, yep. Like a thousand percent he'll go. But I don't think, I, I don't want to take James Franklin because and also like, what's the timetable on this? Like, like how long are they going to wait? Because if you're hiring a, a current college coach, you're in week two. Yeah, you know, and it sucks for the like. This is what I always hate about this, and USC seems to do it a lot. Is they have basically just shit the season away already. Like the entire season doesn't fucking matter. Like whatever, right? I mean, they are like you're in week. You're going into week three. You're one and one. And yeah. I get, I get that Helton's been on the hot seat, but like you said, like why would you have waited till the off season? Like I mean, you, or why would you have not just on the off season? Because because now if you have you're going to sit here with an interim coach. This is the same shit they did with, with coach O, which is like coach O goes what six and two or something like that as the interim head coach. And they're like, ah, sorry, man, you were never even a candidate. And yeah. I, you know, so whoever you're trying to keep on as a staff, that means now you have everyone on staff is like updating their resumes, getting on LinkedIn, you know, updating their LinkedIn profile. Unlike me uh, for the first time in like nine years. So that's, that's a positive. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I think they have to take somebody, like you said, like the enemy. I, I think he, he should have been hired a long time ago in the NFL. I think it makes no sense to me that what he's been able to do at, at that level, like as an offensive coordinator and the opportunities you've given to all these other people. I mean, look at Atlanta, like look at the opportunities we've, we've given out like in the past two hires and they've both been in my opinion, shit. So like now you have the enemy, but I don't think that's a good hire because 
for this job, because this is a, this is a blue blood. This is a top, like in quotes, a top five job in the country, top 10 at the very least. Mm-hmm. And you have a guy that's never had to recruit. I don't think, I don't, I don't know his entire resume, but like he's coming from the NFL. So he's not apt to like the ins and outs of how that whole world works, you know, cause that's a, that's a much different life going from, Hey, we're in the NFL. We have the best offense in the league. We have probably the best team in the league, even though they lost in the Super Bowl last year. Now you have to go make a bunch of 17, 16, 17, 18 year old kids. Like you have to just like get on your hands and knees and, and ask them to come to your school. Like that's a different, that's a different world, man. So I didn't answer the question at all, but yeah, there you go. Yeah, it should be. It's it's just weird because if they hire a current college coach, it's going to be obvious if they come to an agreement in private, like in the next couple of weeks, because think about what Jimbo Fisher did to Florida State when he was basically, the rumor was, he wasn't fired from Florida State, but he had basically accepted the Texas A&N job after that Bama game, stopped mm-hmm. recruiting, practices were horrible. We we're getting steady, getting blown out during the season. Everyone's like, what's going on? If you accept the job as USC and you're a James Franklin, a PJ Fleck, you're not going to be out there recruiting for Penn state or, or Minnesota. Right. So it should be interesting. Um, well, we've also seen that timing. With the way that all went down when he, when Kiffin went from Tennessee to USC and <laughs> he like, I want to say, I, I just like they had that whole uproar in Knoxville when he was leaving and taking everyone with him, and then he's on on phone like on the phone on like Tennessee paid like like phone lines and and cell phones, calling up recruits telling them to come out to USC and fight on and all that kind of shit. It's just I mean, anyway, should be interesting to watch. Um, let's see. I want to get into some hot takes. Brought to you by Texas Pete here before we, we talk about the games. Yeah, love it. So real quick, um, sauce like you mean it, Chris. Visit TexasPete.com, enter promo code Saturday Down South to take 20% off your orders for any sauces or apparel. Now, Texas Pete hot sauce has all the legendary flavors, Chris. All of the sauces and seasonings you need to make your food the real MVP. Try some Texas Pete original hot sauce. Maybe a little dust dry seasoning. Maybe That's some buffalo wing sauce. All right, tell me how to say it. Dust dry. Green pepper sauce, barbecue sauce, and more. Game day grub or any day grub deserves some Texas Pete. Visit texaspeat.com for recipes, hot apparel like Texas Pete shirts and hats. Plus, take 20% off your entire order with promo code Saturday Down South downset sauce like you mean it chris this past saturday i put texas pete in my eyeballs while watching florida state football i would have too if i was you i mean and here's the thing we we listed off a thousand different uh sauces they have but i mean gold pepper green pepper who gives it i mean you put it on everything it's a great point now i'm going to give you my hot take brought to you by by texas pete maybe some of the listeners will actually enjoy this hot take Oh boy. We had some complaints. Maybe maybe our takes were lukewarm. They were complaints. Not, they were just not the hot. internet being the internet. Here's a hot take for you. Clemson will not make the playoff this year. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't think so. What makes you think that? I think Ohio State losing to Oregon put them already on the outside looking in because here's the deal. 
Ohio State now has one loss. But by the end of the season, if they still have that one loss, their schedule is considerably better than Clemson's. Mm-hmm. Okay, Clemson, I mean, think about the top teams in the ACC. UNC's already lost. Miami you know, got drubbed by Bama, which isn't that big of a deal, but then they almost lost to App State. They got another game with Michigan State this week. They're only they're less than a touchdown favorite. There is zero good teams in the ACC outside of Clemson. And now you got Oregon, who's already in the top four. They've And if they lose, though their resume has a win over Ohio State. So to me, I'm looking around at Clemson. Four. What's up? They jump into the top four. I want to say I saw, I saw that, yeah. Um, I, I've seen some takes that like were, this is not the, the segment for it, but like, like RJ Young's top top four was like, well, that was we know awesome. about RJ Young. Uh, yes, in the AP poll, current AP poll, Oregon is number four. Um, Iowa number five, by the way. So okay, my thing is, is now you got Oregon out there. If they take a loss, their resume is still better than yours. If they win mm-hmm. the Pac-12 championship, their only loss is to an Ohio State, who we think could probably run the table as well. Clemson, they're gonna look. People are gonna look around at their resume and say, "Okay, you lost to the only ranked team or good team that you played, and you scored three points. You're out. Clemson's out. This is be what the first time since what 2014 they weren't in the playoff. 2015. Clemson. Yeah. Yeah. It's 2014. 2015 they played for the national title and yeah, leading yeah. going to the fourth. But I'll say so. This there you too. go. That's my hot take. Okay, like I'm going to expound on this because uh, Cole Kubik, friend of the pod, threw out a, a really interesting stat. And it's not anything that's surprising because we know Clemson and we know that they're kind of, you know, their schedule is always like shit. So when you have Clemson, like I think like the stat was like, all right, here's every, here's like the, like every top 10 or top 25. It's like a lot of SEC teams and like a couple others. And then Clemson thrown in there for like comparison. Here's how many top 25 teams are left on the schedule for these contenders. Auburn has six. Bama has five. Um, and, and I forgot even like, you know, like what it was. I think Georgia had like four or five. Like there's there's a lot still, like a lot of meat on the bone, right? Like as the old saying goes, especially with Texas Pete. You don't ever want to leave any meat on the bone, especially when you have Texas Pete dust uh, and all that flavor. But what I'll say is Clemson had zero, zero. And, and we, we know again, how bad that schedule is, but it, it's, it is something even different. It makes it look even worse when you see it listed out like that this early in the season. And that's not to say they won't end up playing a ranked team, right? Like maybe, maybe Miami or, or North Carolina, I guarantee you at some point they will sneak one of those teams back in if they even play North Carolina, like, like to being ranked or Virginia tech. I don't even know if they're on the schedule, sure. but like, so they, they probably won't end up with zero ranked teams overall, but you, you just have to look at it and think too, like, uh, the the adverse of what we're talking about or like i agree with you I, I like i'm overseeing clemson in there it's like the last three times clemson has played a good team they've gotten waxed right i mean like yep but well you didn't get waxed necessarily by georgia but you lose 10 to 3 and you look but you didn't really inept. yeah didn't score a point you look completely yeah. inept um we saw what happened to him against lsu we saw what happened to him against ohio state the year before or last year so i'm i'm all for that at the same time this is the Clemson team that didn't allow a single offensive point to Georgia and Georgia will be in the playoff. I mean, Georgia will absolutely make the playoff and they will deservingly. So they will, they will most likely go in there undefeated or with one loss, including the SEC championship game. I, I think it also says something if like that, 
if if you're looking at like that that team and they've oh boy this is not good um if you're we got some mic issues over here um if you're looking at that team and they have held a, a georgia team that could potentially be i don't know maybe number one um in in like the country going into the playoff i i, I don't know how you necessarily keep them out if that's their one loss yeah okay well that's why it's my hot take bro get off my back Anyways, um, I'm going to saw time until you get uh, your shit together with your mic. Um, so again, just, just to remind you, the hot take segment is brought to you by Texas Pete. Texas Pete. Anyways. Um, I didn't give you a hot take, but I'll give you, I'll give you one now. Um, this damn, this, this microphone arm is just something else. Uh, my hot take Let's see here. What should, what should we go with? I'll say, I want to say that Florida is going to play Bama really close this weekend. I want to give you that, but I'm not going to. I'm going to say that Ohio State still does make the playoff and they still make the national title game. Ooh. Yeah. With that defense? With that defense, I'm going to say it. Yeah, Ryan Day came out this week and wasn't exactly complimentary of, of Kerry Combs there, but um, – Okay, let's get into the slate this week because there's some good games. You mentioned one of them, Bama, Florida. We'll get to that one probably towards the end. I think there's actually a pretty sneaky good game. Now, you would look at this on paper and say no, but it's Mississippi State at Memphis. Saturday, 4 o'clock Eastern on ESPN2. Memphis, three-point underdog at home, over under 64. Memphis, if you haven't watched them play, and you probably haven't, if I'm being honest, they're 2-0 to start the year. Uh, granted, they have played Nichols State and Arkansas State. Um, but they have an awesome freshman QB. So they got a transfer in from Arizona, Grant Gunnell, who was a four-star coming out of high school. He got injured in camp. So they turned to this true freshman, Seth Hennigan. My man has led Memphis to the number one offense in the country. Um, oh, two games, last right? week against Arkansas State. 22 for 33, 417, and five touchdowns. Uh, the offense has averaged nearly 50 points a game. Um, I really like this Memphis team. I do. Uh, Mississippi State, probably better than I thought they were going to be, at least um, on an offense and, and really defense. They, they were a home underdog last week. They took it to NC State. Will Rogers has looked really good this year. Uh, 75% completion percentage. Which is he was crazy a freshman good. last year. He led. He led, or he was like second in the SEC, I think, behind Mac Jones, um, in what do you call it, completion percentage. Yeah, I mean that's seventy five percent is is awesome. Uh, Six hundred sixty four yards, five touchdowns, and a pick. Jordan Wally, my boy, two touchdowns early this year. The defense was really good last week against NC State, and they're going to be need. They're, they're going to need to be really good this week against this Memphis offense. A couple trends for you before I get to your pick. Memphis is 15-0 and straight up in their last 15 games at home. Wow. They like to play at home. Why are we Total, playing this game at – I don't – why are we doing this so much? This I don't is one of those it. weird games, yeah. Uh, the total has gone under in five, six games for Memphis. Mi- Mississippi State, one and seven straight up in their last eight games on the road. The total is also under in eight of their last 12 games. Do you have any analysis on this or are you just going to make a pick? First off, I don't know why you said it like that. It's very rude. Um, 
I, well, well, I'm getting back to the fact that I don't. Analysis. Well, I mean, I think they're a good team. Like they've been a good program. They've been one of the best G5 programs. I was shocked that they didn't get an invite to the Big 12, to be honest. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I, like I still think this is a like this is a this is a sleepy or like a, a sleepy game. I think possibly for Mississippi State because you come off a big win where you're an underdog at home, like you said, um, and a lot of people probably weren't giving you enough credit, like going into that game because of what happened in week one. But now you're kind of back into the same situation you were in week one, where you're going up against a, you know, what is Memphis in the, what, the AAC? So you're not going up against like a, yeah. uh, I think Louisiana Tech is like a, a Conference USA or Fun Belt. Um, but regardless, you're going up against a, a team similar in stature with like the G5, you know, like status and all that kind of stuff. I don't, like, I would be shocked if, like, if, if, if they're 16 or no, in their last 16 games, you, you mentioned like they were 15 and 0 in their last 15. If they're 16 and 0, that is, that would shock me um, after this game. So I'm going to take Mississippi state. I am going to say that they don't cover just because of the fact, and it's probably closer just because of what we have seen from them in week one. And I think it's hard to get up. Now you're talking about, like I was going to say two weeks in a row, but you're talking about three weeks in a row of getting up like emotionally. I mean, it's hard enough for me to get up emotionally twice a week here. Right. And that's just for a podcast. It's an hour and a half. Um, I think it would probably be hard and I don't know what they're going through personally, but I mean, I'm just saying like, it's probably hard to get back up, uh, like coming off that ridiculous win you had in week one or yeah, the come from behind win in week one. And then you have a, a huge win in week two. Now you're going on the road for no fucking reason at all. I, I do not understand that. It makes sense. If you're Ole Miss, Ole Miss is an hour and a half, I think, or an hour away from Memphis. I'll take, I'll take Mississippi state to win, but I'll take, uh, Memphis with the points. 16 and 0 straight up in the last 16. I'm taking Memphis to win straight up money line 28 24. Whoa. All right. Uh, another game in C that's not necessarily a, a close point spread per se, Chris, uh, but it mm-hmm. has traditionally been at least a decent game in the SEC. South Carolina seems to put to the occasion when they play Georgia. Mm. Could be a little bit different there. It's um, just that one game that we're talking about. There was a there was like a couple year stretch like twenty I feels like it was like twenty two thousand nine through two thousand eleven something like that I could it's be like way a off. decade ago Saturday seven p.m. Eastern on ESPN in Athens South Carolina UGA UGA a thirty one and a half point favorite over South Carolina over under forty eight that's tough to do wow <laughs> wow yeah okay. Um, the sole reason I want to watch this game is because I want to see if Georgia's defense can go three straight games without giving up an offensive touchdown. I didn't even think about that. That is stupid. I mean, you know what really like, <laughs> what sucks about this series? I, I am like, like I, I'm wrong either way. But I said a year ago, I was like, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is for Georgia. It doesn't matter if it's Stetson Bennett or JT Daniels or whoever else, because that defense is the best defense that we've seen in college football since 2011 Bama. And they were going to be the best in the country. And there's a lot of reasons why it didn't happen, but I feel like I was just a year early because now we're seeing it. Setson Bennett is the best quarterback in America, um, regardless of size or stature. Uh, he is not. But yeah, I mean, I, I, like what shocks me the most about this game is that UAB was a 26 point underdog. South Carolina is a 30, they opened at 32. 
Yeah. Not great. Um, no, not great, Bob. I, I love, I love what Shane Beamer's doing. I love, like, I, I will openly pull for South Carolina in general because, like, you know, I family ties and stuff like that. We love Chris Phillips, the Bearded Tomato um, from the Spurs Up Show. We're obviously great friends with Steven Garcia now. Um, there's a lot of reasons why, like, I, I like South Carolina and I love what Beamer is building there. I don't know if it's ever going to be like what Kirby has at Georgia, but it's great. Um, it's a lot of fun to watch. I am terrified to think about what that offensive line that was just fucking horrible last last game out against East Carolina. Horrible. I I am terrified to think about what they're, what's going to happen to them against this Georgia front seven and, and, and front four. You won't need to blitz all night. You will, you will not need to blitz a single down in this game, and you will get to the quarterback repeatedly. And like the, the talk out of like Columbia is like, all right, listen, Luke Doty's supposed to be hundred percent healthy. So if that's the case, do you throw him in as the starter? Cause he should have been the starter going into the season. Or do you leave Zeb Nolan? Like it, it's a lot. I don't, I don't even know if there's a right answer because first off, if you're hundred percent healthy, Just feeds no Zeb Nolan what, to the, to the wolves. But then why would you feed Luke, Luke Doty to the wolves? Like, especially if he's coming off. No, that's injury, what I'm saying. Like, I mean, I hate it for you, Zeb. I know you're a big time listener of the show. Um, yeah. I I just kind of I just say, Zeb, we believe in you this this game, buddy. You're our best chance to win, Luke. You're gonna sit here on the sideline. Um, we'll see you next week, hopefully. And I throw Zeb out there, and I say, Zeb, you know, just try to get us a touchdown. You know, be the first team this year to score. That is the goal for us. We want to be the first team to score an offensive touchdown against Georgia. That is, that is bleak that that is the goal, but I don't think you're wrong either. Like, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I, I think it, like the fact that the line is 31 and cause what I was going to ask you, when you right. So you're saying basically 41 to seven. Like, I mean, is, am I right on that? Like I was, and I was going to ask you, I was like, is yeah. 41 to seven would be 33 points. Or 34 points. I, I mean. It, that like, sounds right. Like I, my, my prediction is 42 to three. <laughs> see, th- my, my main question is, was going to be, what's the total? What's the, what's like the, the team total for South Carolina? Because like I, I don't know. Runner? No, the team total. Like they're, they're. Oh, like what is total. it actually? I was going to say. Yeah. yeah it's got to yeah, be I seven know. and a half. I haven't seen it. I, I mean, it's got to be seven yeah. and a half. And so what I would Pick say is. I would take the under man. And I hate to say that, but like, also this is a very awkward revenge game. And I say awkward because all I can think of when I hear about this, like, cause, cause Muschamp is now like an actual coach for Georgia because Cochran being out. So, um, and all I can think of is that scene from super bad where like Fogel comes in he's not in the home at class and he walks in anyway. And they're like talking shit about him like openly. And then they're like, Hey, like, but, but you, you can get us booze. And he's like, oh, yeah, get the booze. Like he gets all excited about it. Right. I, that's how I feel about this game because like Kirby's already openly said that 2019 game was way more about Georgia than it was about South Carolina. Yeah, and you're yeah, saying South, that and he's not South wrong. Carolina's team, team, uh, team total is eight, eight. Wow. <laughs> I would take the under and I hate to say that, but like, so would I absolutely I mean, take the under at eight. Are you kidding? Well, and like, and so also the other part of it too is like, 
USC is allowing six and a half tackles for loss a game. That's, that's third worst in the SEC. Against that defense, that is not good. Mm. That is not good. Jordan Davis um, and, is such a massive person. Yeah, and they have three of them, including Jordan Davis, on that defensive line that are that are all studs. And so I just, you know, I don't even know if we made a big enough deal about what they did to UAB because we expect them to to do it. But like UAB is like a eight, nine win team. Yeah. I, I mean, they're, they're, they're a, a good program. program. They beat them 56 to seven with a backup quarterback. And I got asked this today on radio. Somebody, somebody said, like, you know, are you concerned at all about this defense for Georgia? Is there a is there a weak link we don't know about? And I was like, they're not even healthy. They're not even healthy yet. I, yeah. I, I I'm taking Georgia and the points, and I don't know if, if South Carolina scores or if anybody does on them this year. I mean, now, is that what we're looking at, by the way? Like, are we looking at like a fucking 1928 Tennessee Volunteers under Jenny, General Majors or whatever his name was, General Nealon? under Kirby where it's like, yeah, they gave up seven and a half points the whole season. They won a hundred to two. Well, when you're, I mean, when you're facing South Carolina, Vandy, Georgia tech. No, nah, I mean, Kentucky, hopefully for yeah, Kentucky, Florida, Tennessee might even be able to put up some points. Um, I, I don't know. JT Daniels is questionable for this game. I think you just go ahead and rest him. I mean, you're not yeah. going to lose this game. Uh, um, Stetson Bennett looked good last week against UAB. Um, Zeb Nolan, I just throw him out there. Like I said, he's done a decent job, but, but, you know, obviously George is a different animal than you'll see at all this year. And, you know, South Carolina's offense didn't look great against East Carolina, which was why I feel good about the under eight for them. I mean, their first five drives in that game were interception, two punts, and two fumbles. Um, yeah, it was bad. So South Carolina, you know, their last five, six against Georgia, one and five straight up, two and four against the spread. Love the under in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's 48, that's like a big 10 over under, but Georgia's defense has given up three points this year. Um, and if JT Daniels sits, I mean, South Carolina's got a decent they got a decent uh, defense. So, you know, if Stetson Bennett plays, you know, maybe they get conservative if they build, build, build a big lead. I could um, – that's probably the play I would put. I mean, 31 and a half, just – it's just inviting a backdoor cover. So, I'd yeah. rather bet the under in this game. I and, and, like, the other part of it, too, is if, if the over-under is eight – you have a really good kicker in Parker White for USC. And we don't need to get into the ins and outs of if they'll cover the eight because it's not important. Georgia's going to win this game. They're going to win it, you know, going away. But, like, if the over-under is eight, like, Georgia wants to win this game, stay healthy, move on, right? Not let's survive in advance, but, like, they just want to stay healthy, move on to the next game. For South Carolina, a touchdown, even late, would be a huge deal. Like, if, if you're if you're, like – down 38 to three or you're down 41 to three you're still trying in every way possible with that stable of running backs that South Carolina has to score late so I would I probably wouldn't even bet on this game just because like that would be a huge deal for them and it wouldn't necessarily be a huge deal for Georgia um, throughout the entire 60 minutes that's a good point um This game actually could be fun. Miss. Um, this one is at eight o'clock 
So it's a night game, ESPN2. Ole Miss a 14-point favorite. Over-under is 76. Um, Tulane took Oklahoma to the brink week one. Tortured FCA last week, but I don't know that a lot of people know that that Oklahoma Tulane game was supposed to be in New Orleans. And yeah. they had to move it because of the hurricane. That could have been an opening season loss for Oklahoma had it been in, in New Orleans. Yeah. Um, Spencer Rattler after that game said Tulane was one of the most physical teams he's played against in his career, which probably says a lot about the Big 12. Yeah, for sure. Um, but really good, really good offense for Tulane. Obviously, we know about Ole Miss's offense. They're fourth in the FBS in total offense, first in the Power Five. Um, everyone knew the offense would be good coming into the season, but the defense has definitely taken a step forward. They've shown some improvement this year. Not hard to do from last year's defense. I, I will give you that. Um, mm-hmm. But it does look a lot better. And if they can win this game, uh, it'll be the first time they started 3-0 and since 2015. When they did that, then they went into the Bama game and went 4-0. and What? Oh, Ole Miss. Yep. Yeah, that was um, fun. That was a fun night. They had five yeah. turnovers, three of them inside your 25-yard line. Swag Kelly. Uh, this one will be higher scoring, obviously, given the over-under. My bet on this game would probably take place on this over-under. I'd probably go under. It's a principal bet, Chris. I've told you this. It's just so high. Yeah. Uh, points will be had in the game, but, I mean, I think the best bet here is take the under. I'm going to take Ole Miss to win. I'll go with a score something like 42-27. I could see it would be a reasonable score um, yeah. where it goes under and quickly do the math. It would still cover the 14 there. Damn, Mike. This is not good. Um Okay, so what I'll say is this: I, I think everything was everything was great. Everything was set up perfectly, and now here we are. Everything's still great. Everything's still great. Um, that'll work. Okay, so here's here's what I would say: like one, I love the fact that that Tulane is going into this game with a little bit of swag. Um, they are they are going to have uh, stickers on the back of their helmet that say SEC champs with the years that they I won the that. SEC. I thought that was pretty awesome. Uh, Kiffin, Kiffin has made like a really, he's been very adamant this week about the fact that this is a team that is an SEC caliber team. And and the reason I don't necessarily agree with that, but I love the fact that he's saying it because you're, damn it, Chris. Um, Willie, Willie Fritz is one of the better coaches, I think, um, mm-hmm. especially at the G5 level. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like he'll, he'll, be, a, he'll, be, a, he'll be a P5 head coach. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I just, I love the fact that like, it, it, it's like, this is a huge game, I think, for Kiffin as a head coach, just because it, it's it, like, you're kind of going through a season in a way like this, this is like part of the building blocks, right? Like, like of how you build a program and how his, you know, his mentors have built a program, how like, um, you know, like I, I think Hugh Freeze kind of had to do it. Like where these are games, like, where, like it is a, if they lose this game, most people in the country are like, wow, they, they just weren't there. They weren't, they weren't ready yet because, you know, how do you lose a Tulane, blah, blah, blah. Like, so in that case, like, you're not going to have anybody making excuses for you, um, which, you know, like, nor do you want. But I think that it's a, it's a big deal because of the fact that he's going about this the exact way Saban has in the past, like, who's one of his mentors, obviously. Um, he's going about it in, like, I, I guess, I mean, what's, like, for lack of better words, like, the most professional way to go about it. Like, he, I mean, he is... He's, he's talking them up. He's getting into the whole rat poison thing. And, and I think 
especially if you're like, if you're a team like Ole Miss, where you're kind of been on like the, the fringe, like last year, you were not taken seriously. You have a huge win against Indiana who's the 11th ranked team in the country in a bowl game, but you did it without their quarterback and you injured their backup quarterback. Um, it, there's a lot of question marks, right? You've played really good defense in the first three quarters of that Louisville game. You, you know, last week you play an FCS school. So this is like, honestly, I hate to say it, but like, this is kind of almost feels like their first real test, even though they already played that opener in Atlanta against Louisville. Um, I'm taking Ole Miss to win and cover. I, I think this is like, this is a game like we, and Tulane's been, I feel like I don't have the numbers in front of me and I probably should have looked them up beforehand, but I feel like Tulane's been really good against the number as an underdog. Do you have it in front of you? No, I don't. But that I Tulane, I was shocked that that number against Oklahoma was so high. It was so high that I almost, that's why I stayed away from it. I was like, man, they must know something I don't because Tulane has been a really good team, at least from my recollection over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. This is gonna be a tough test for Ole Miss. I, I think if you want to show that you you've taken that step, like you're saying, you got you got to win this game and win this game fairly comfortably. Cover the spread. Win by fourteen. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, well, that wouldn't really cover the spread. That would just push. Yeah. But, yeah. You're right. God. Chris. Um. Okay. Where do you want to go here? Because I think one of these games, the last two games, will be better than the other. Okay, I'm, I want to real quick. I want to talk about Nebraska Oklahoma. Why would you? We're want gonna to do we're that? gonna divert a little bit. Well, because like, so one, I think this is like this would have been an awesome game. It was an awesome game in like 2001, 2000, right? Before that, probably the 80s, right? 70s would be a great game. It, I, this game does nothing for me this week. Like I'll watch it because the two the two helmets that are involved. Um, is there a game like this that you would want to see brought back, like consistently? Because now with Nebraska being in the Big Ten and Oklahoma obviously being in the Big Twelve, like like I'm trying to think of it. Like Bama doesn't play any games like this. Like well, Bama used to play Penn State a lot and Notre Dame in like the '80s. I, Florida State is now in technically in my opinion the same conference as notre dame to an extent yeah um it, like florida state florida would be fun but it doesn't make a lot of sense for i'm sorry uh miami florida would be fun even though it doesn't make a lot of sense for them to play that game um i wish that like bama would play tech just because of the convenience of being able to go downtown they would still fuck it up and make them play in mbs because money mm-hmm. and that would ruin everything but i mean are there games like that that you want to see brought back anything that stands out ask me this i know i gotta think now i gotta jog the brain a bit um so i'll just i'll just speak from from a perspective of before florida state joined the acc they they you know the way that bobby bowden made us a name was they said we'll play anybody anywhere Mm. i love that mentality and so we would go on the road, like 91, we went on the road to Michigan and beat them in the big house. Um, I wish we would have That's a Rose Bowl team that year too. I wish we would have more of that. I wish we would have more of, you know, Florida's going to go on the road to Oregon. Like that just doesn't like it, a weird matchup that you wouldn't think would be mm-hmm. something that it would be maybe a neutral site game, but like, I want to see if, you know, 
Florida go on the road to Oregon or Alabama go to whoever. Southern Notre Miss. Dame. Notre Dame. You know, something okay. like just a really cool old school matchups in Florida and Oregon's not an old school matchup, but like big power names on the road. And we're going to get that, I think, in the coming years, because I know at least Bama and Florida State are going home and home. Georgia and Florida State are. I think that's going to come with the expansion of playoffs. But like, I don't think there's any rest necessarily, but more so, I think it just used to be more like that, where you get two big names that would play each other on the road and swap home and homes and things like that. Yeah, I think like, I mean, for me, when you really look at it, like, I don't know um, if there are that many games that like, 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 and we'll talk about this game next, like the Penn State Auburn game, because this is the second time I think Auburn's gone to a Big Ten team, like on the road since 1931, right? They played Wisconsin in 1931. Um, I'm not like, I, I don't really care about that as much. Like, I, I'm not like dying to see, I think Big Ten teams are, are dying for SEC teams to come to their, their stadium. And I, I like, I think it's more of like a bravado. You don't thing. think it'd like, be cool if Ohio state went to Tuscaloosa. I want zero part of that. I want zero part of that game because, and I've told you this before, cause I like winning and I don't give a shit about Ohio state. And that's the, that's like outside of maybe West Virginia, Tennessee, when they're good, the Yankees, um, white kids on Twitter that are big, uh, uh, was it PSL? No, that's pumpkin spice latte. What's the soccer league? ESL? Oh, uh, e- EPL. Yes. We're not yes. big soccer guys. Yeah, not at all. Um, so like, like people that are like big, like, I don't want to say Tottenham Spurs cause I love David Carter and I, I respect him too much to use that example. So it's like man, you like, like outside of those groups, I don't know a bigger collective fan base of assholes than, then like, so I don't want to see Ohio state and Bama play each other, like in the regular season necessarily, um, Wisconsin, that's a different story. Like give me a destination to go to, right. Eugene sucks from everything I've heard. Like, I don't, I mean, but like, yeah, give me a destination. I'd love to go play at, at Southern Cal. I'd go play at the Coliseum. One that they should have, that I will probably see again soon is Texas Texas A&M. Like play that shit on Thursday night on, on what do you call it? Like, or, or Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Would love to watch that game. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, you know, another one, South Carolina, Miami. They used to play every single year until Miami, like, beat the brakes off of them. They got into, like, a big brawl in, like, 1981 or something or 83. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing that. So, but, but for me, Nebraska, Oklahoma, it's going to be really cool until, like, five minutes into the game. Like, it, it'll, it'll be really fun to, like, you're going to see the fucking Johnny Rogers highlight, like, a million times. Um, and just two schools built off of people that are my size playing pulling guard for like two decades, uh, and running the wishbone. But I mean, like, other than that, it's, it's going to be miserable for like, as soon as it kicks off anyway. Yeah. I was about to say, I'm not looking forward to that game at all. That's right. <laughs> it's good to happy Valley. Um, yeah, okay. Number 22, Auburn at number 10, Penn State. 7.30 Eastern time on ABC. Night game. It's a wideout. Penn State, six-point favorite, over under 53. Third matchup all time between these two schools. First in the regular season. Both fan bases have to feel pretty good about their starts to the season. Um, Auburn obviously hasn't really played anyone of note yet, but they have outscored their opponents 122-10. to 10 
Bo Nix has looked impressive thus far in Brian Harson's offense. Uh, played with much better control. He's got passing for 75% completion, five touchdowns, no picks. He's efficient. This is a huge game for him personally. Um, we all know about road Bo Nix, not great. Um, he's been spreading the ball around a ton thus far. Obviously, you've got one of the better running backs in the nation in Tank Bigsby. They also have a new freshman, Jarquez Hunter. I believe he's from Philadelphia, randomly. He's been a monster uh, for Auburn as well. I think he's averaging 15 yards per carry. Each one of them have rushed for over 100 yards in, in both the first two games. Um, offensively for Penn State, they've been pretty good as well. Sean Clifford, uh, Noah Kane at running backs, pretty. Both defenses, though, have been really good. Um, mm-hmm. Auburn leads the nation in run defense. Uh, thus far, again, tackles. Penn State also has some really good running backs. They they are have a very good pass defense. They're the fifth uh, fifth in the country in defensive efficiency. For me, I'm very worried about Bo Nick on the road. Yeah, very worried for good reason. Obviously, we read the stats in our Auburn preview with Cole Kubrick. Um, so the first thing I like in this game is the under, uh, the total has gone under in road games and six of last nine for Penn state games, which is a nice little stat there. Yeah. Um, this is Auburn's first step up in competition and the road against, against the top 15 team came out victorious. It's a whiteout. It's a night game. The road, especially in an environment like that, I'm going to bet against him. Road purple. In his career, Auburn's played nine games against defenses in the top 15 in defensive efficiency. Efficiency. Auburn's two and seven in those games, losing by an average. So I'll take Penn State 28-20 to cover. Okay, I like that. So here's what I'll say. I think that that Auburn is, I think they're a good team. I think they are ahead of schedule where I thought maybe they would be with um, with Brian Harson. I, I think that they are in good hands with Harson too. I know you're right. Like they haven't played anybody this year, right? Like they, they've been, they've played zero competition. That being said, anytime you outscore your opponents 122 to 10, that's, I mean, impressive no matter who you're playing. Um, so I saw this point brought up earlier this week and somebody it was an Auburn fans on Twitter, so it doesn't really matter, but somebody brought up the fact that um, Auburn has like Bo Nix has played against the following teams on the road. Auburn. I mean, so he's played LSU, Florida, Bama, and Georgia. So why would he necessarily be scared of happy Valley? The follow-up to that is that he lost all those games. Um, I think <laughs> I think the Florida game his freshman year was a was by single digits. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but it, the other ones sure as shit weren't. I mean, the other ones were like, you know, I, I, like the Georgia game last year, I think they got blanked. Uh, the Bama game, they got beat by like 28 or 31. Um, the LSU game I was at, they, they lost by 10, but it wasn't that close. They scored late in the game. Um, I, I just don't think – that I think it was 10. They might have, they might have scored late to make it like a three point game. I'm not, I'm not sure, but like, 
I don't trust Bo Nix on the road. I think this is a, a game where you lean heavy on the ground game, right? Just like you are, you run Tank Bigsby until the wheels fall off. Um, and maybe mix in a few trick plays, but this is also an offense or a, a, a place where we have seen Michigan in the past few years, teams like Ohio State, um, like, you know, like teams that are top five and warrantedly, you know, so go in there and struggle against that, a, a, a whiteout. If that kind of raucous like student section and, and overall just like fan base, I don't know how, how Bo Nix handles that. And, and I keep thinking back to this one game, which was the Michigan game, I think a couple of years ago when Michigan came in um, and the first series, the first series you go in and you already like, like you immediately can't get a playoff. You get a, you get a delay a game, the first snap of the game. And I just, I, I just worry that that's what's going to happen here, you know? So um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Penn state. I'm going to take Penn state to cover. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and do the Bama game um, after that. All right, everybody, we're back for the final game of the week here. It's number one, Alabama. It's number 11, Florida in the swamp, 330 CS game. UF is a 14 and a half point underdog at home over under 59 and a half. Alabama. They've been Alabama thus far. Uh, Bryce Young has looked great early on. He's actually emerged as the betting favorite for the Heisman after two games. Bama's had a couple uh, injuries of note. Um, we know about Chris Allen. It seems like Will Anderson may be back for this game. He was expected back at practice today. You'd probably better know better than me, Chris. Was he was he back out there today? He was. They said he's going to be day to day for Friday or for Saturday. But yes, he is. He is back. The injury was what we kind of speculated, uh, even though we shouldn't have. But hyperextension, not as bad as we um, initially uh, feared. Good, good. All right, Mullen. Owen ten in his career against Crimson Tide coach Nick Saban, including last year's crazy ass fifty-two to forty-six game in the SEC championship game. Emory Jones is going to get the start here. Um, Dan Mullen weirdly seems to think that the only reason Anthony Richardson has dominated is because he's playing inferior competition. Um, he came out, yeah, he came out and said, um, you know, look, I, this play against FAU, he dropped back, he missed a protect, he then missed the hot throw, then he missed the primary read, and then he scrambled around and ran someone over. And everyone thinks, wow, what a spectacular play. That's a, that's a real quote from Dan Mullen. Um, now, maybe he's just trying to undersell Anthony Richardson, which is probably what's happening. For sure. Um, now, granted, he's only thrown 11 passes this year. Um, I've seen the highlights, but I think he's got like a 50% accuracy rate on his throws. Um, he does lead the SEC in rushing with 275 yards on 11 carries. That's stupid. Um, so we'll see how he looks against Bama. He did pull up lame uh, at the end of last game with a hamstring. I haven't seen if he's healthy enough to play in this game. I would assume right. so. I haven't heard that he's not, but he was limping off the off the field. If he doesn't play, I love Alabama to cover the spread. If he does play, I merely like Alabama to cover the spread. All right, so... And I apologize here for the internet, guys. We, we thought we found one positive with like the audio being better. And of course, in this new setup that I have, um, we are trying to get through it. So I apologize for the inconvenience on my end. Um, so we'll try to breeze through this. 
I, I've been having fun with Florida fans all week this because Florida fans are very confident, um, which is really? surprise, very confident. Um, and of course, this is on social media. This is like in our Facebook group and all this kind of stuff. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that they almost didn't lose or they barely lost last year um, to, to Bama in the SC Championship game. I, listen, I, I get how close that game was. Um, some of the reasoning behind it makes no sense to me. Like, like, like if you're a Florida fan, what I think you're ba- like building this off of is, and I've seen it all over the place. If Anthony Richardson plays, yeah, we win. If, if, you know, if we can get a couple of turnovers, blah, 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 I think we win. I saw one today that was like, if no matter what, if he plays or he doesn't play, we win. Um, sure. Okay. Uh, if you're Florida, you need to do exactly what I thought that Miami was going to do against Bryce Young. And that is get him rattled early, blitz his ass nonstop. And that is a, that is, there's no more perfect D coordinator in the country to do that than Todd Grantham. So I fully expect that to be the game plan for Todd Grantham for Florida on Saturday. Um, you, you are going into a hostile environment. Tickets are going from anywhere. It's like, I think the cheapest I've seen is like 600. Um, Airbnb, somebody tweeted, I think Ross Dellinger tweeted this out earlier this week, going for like 3,400 for, for the weekend. Um, wow. I mean, Gainesville's ready. Gainesville is excited for this. This will be the biggest home game they've had in uh, what the Auburn game a couple of years ago. And, and I don't even know what else it, it, it might be the biggest game they've had there maybe in a decade. I, I don't know. I, like you, you get a Bama team coming in that looked underwhelming at best against Mercer. Um, you have a freshman quarterback that has not seen this kind of atmosphere, has not seen this kind of front four um, besides maybe in practice. I love Florida to cover. I love Florida to cover. I I don't, what I'll say is this for the whole, I think a lot of people have already told me like, if, if, if Florida wins, you're going to delete your social media because all the shit you've been talking. Nothing I have said has not been fact. And I'm going to say it again now, because as I say every year, you can talk all the shit you want about playing Bama before the game. But at three 30 on Saturday, they are going to tee that fucking ball up and you're going to have to stop talking and you're going to have to go play Alabama. You're going to have to go play uh, just a fucking battalion of five stars everywhere on that field. The Heisman front runner in Bryce Young. I saw one person today said that, you know, these two offenses are a shell of themselves from 2020. I don't know if that's how I would describe this, this Bama offense. I don't even know if that's how I would describe the Florida offense. Florida, um, another another example I saw was they have the best defensive line in the country. I don't know if Georgia's defensive line as a whole just died, um, but that is not the case either. You have some really, really, really good matchups here in terms of Florida's secondary going up against these young receivers for Bama. Um, you've got Bama's offensive line going up against a very good defensive line for Florida. You've got Todd Grantham going up against Bill O'Brien and a freshman quarterback with 91 like screaming foul, 91,000 screaming, jort wearing a holes behind him. I, I love that for Florida. I really do. Here's what I keep looking at looking at. You're 0 and 10 all time against Saban. That game last year was a six point win. Sure. It was 35 to 17 at half. So I have a hard and they're not the same teams, but let's not rewrite history. And the other thing is this. And I I realize this has nothing to do with the teams that are going onto that field tomorrow. But just so we're all on the same page, Florida has beaten Bama twice in the last 21 years in 12 games. They're 2-10 and 10 against Bama in the last 21 years, since 1999. The two teams that beat them won the national championship. 
I think Anthony Richardson's great. I think Dan Mullen has got this program headed in the right direction. I, I love where this program is headed under Mullen. They're not going to win a national championship this year. They're not going to win their division this year. So you can call this like a being like a homer or whatever you want. But on, on Saturday, I think Florida keeps it close. I think, I think they keep it close for, for 53 minutes into the fourth quarter. I think it's like a nut check, very, very like nerve wracking game for both sides. I just, I don't think that this Bama team is built the same way as, as people think it is. I, I think you have a great offensive line. You have a great quarterback that knows how to make plays. You have a lot of talent everywhere around them. As long as you don't turn the ball over, I don't know what, three times. I don't, you, you have a kicker that's missed once in two years. You're about as complete of a team as you could be. And I just don't think that Dan Mullen is going to outcoach Nick Saban. And I worry that he's going to outcoach himself if he's already saying this about Anthony Richardson. Put Anthony Richardson in from start to finish. I think Florida has a great chance of, of keeping it close or winning even. I don't, I don't think it happens if you are going to play two quarterbacks the whole time. One of them is Emory Jones, who has four interceptions in two games against teams not named Alabama and that are named South Florida and Florida Atlantic. So I, I think Bama wins by 10, um, probably a backdoor cover from Florida. I just, I look at that Florida offense. I don't think we know anything about them because USF is one of the worst teams in the country and FAU is probably, they're not bad, but they're not a power five team. No. Um, Bama has got one of the best defenses in the country and until Dan Mullen really commits to Anthony Richardson to at least see what he's got, I can't see I I can't see Emory Jones moving the ball consistently on Bama. I can't see I don't they don't have a playmaker at running back that I trust to bust through the line and run for 160 yards and two touchdowns. So to me, if you're Bama, you've got the athletes to keep the running game, even if AR fifteen Stupid. He's good, man. Nickname. No, but that's even, not a stupid even, nickname. That's a good nickname. <laughs> it is. Um, you've got linebackers and athletes at linebacker that can keep him in check in the run game. Right. And I, I'm not saying that he can't, but we've yet to see him like consistently throw the ball where he's like dicing defenses up. And then you got to dice up one of the best defenses in the country. I just don't see it. I got Bama covering in this game. Florida's one and five against the spread in their last six. Um, I've got Bama 38-23. So I will just say covering. this too, that Bama or Florida could be one and five against the spread in their last six, but there's no way they were a 14-point underdog at home in the swamp in any of those. So I, like that's why the swamp alone, that place is going to be electric. It's going to be great. But, you know, it's like I said earlier today, again, I just I, like I'm going off of what I've seen consistently over Dan Mullen's career, over Nick Saban's career. And this is not the best Dan Mullen team we've seen. I, I just I don't think it is like I, there's talent all over the place. Sure. But it's not the best Dan Mullen team we've seen. And, you know, I, I just Tim Tebow ain't walking through that door, man. He's not. So and I'll, I'll, I can't wait to be wrong. You guys can tell me nonstop about it. But that, that'll be for another episode. And we will see you on I guess what? Sunday night. Sunday night. Peace out. All right. <laughs>